I want to invite you this morning to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. As I was thinking about today and the fact that we're honoring our senior saints, as well as we were honoring our high school seniors, our graduating seniors, I thought about this passage. And the reason I thought about this passage is because it's one of the prayers of Paul. At the beginning of many of Paul's letters, he'll have a, a thanksgiving for the Christians that he's writing to. And he'll also include a prayer for those believers. And oftentimes those prayers are full of incredibly important truths for, for us in our Christian lives. And oftentimes these prayers, they, they seem to encapsulate in a very clear way what's really important in living out the Christian life. And so as I was thinking about our senior saints as well as our graduating seniors and really everyone in between and younger, I thought about this is, this is something that would be helpful for all of us to think about this morning. It would be something that, that we can hear the heart of the Apostle Paul and his concern for the Thessalonian believers, but also because it's been recorded in inspired scripture and handed down for 2,000 years. This is God's word to us as well. And so this is Paul's prayer for us, for our lives as believers. And so I thought it would be helpful and, and very challenging, but also encouraging for us to look at this prayer of the Apostle Paul this morning. And I've called this sermon, Believing, Loving, Working, Persevering, because those seem to be the four major themes of this prayer. And those are going to be my four points this morning as well. So you've got the outline already right there in the title. Believing, loving, working, persevering. Let's read this prayer of Paul, and then we'll look at it together. The Apostle Paul says to these Thessalonian believers, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters. And rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you have believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you 
and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you bow with me in prayer? Our Father, today, we come to your holy word, and we desire for you to speak to us through your word and through your spirit. And Lord, may all of us, as your people, hear this prayer of Paul. May this prayer become a desire for our own lives, that we would seek to exemplify these requests that the Apostle Paul has prayed for your people. May we desire this of our own hearts. May we also desire it of our brothers and sisters around us. May we pray this prayer for them, for our family of God, that we all, as a body of Christ, might live out these truths. So, Lord, teach us today. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. The Apostle Paul begins this letter to the Thessalonians, and he begins by thanking God that they have faith. He says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And so the first major theme of this prayer of Paul is believing. And that's really the foundation of all the Christian life, isn't it? Faith. Because without faith, we're not Christians. How, how is it that we are justified? We're justified by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And so faith is the beginning of the Christian life. But certainly faith is not the end of the Christian life, is it? Nor is just believing at one point in time, is that the end of faith, is it? Faith, belief, is to abide. And as Paul says in this prayer, to grow in the Christian life and throughout the Christian life. And so Paul is thankful to God for the work that God has done in them. And so that keeps it in the realm of the grace of God, doesn't it? So it's in this grace of God that he has done for them that Paul can thank God for the spiritual work that has been accomplished in them. That they are believers in Christ and that not only are they believers in Christ, but that their faith is growing more and more. He's thankful for that. And so I notice a few things about their faith. One is it's a cause of thanksgiving. Their faith is a cause of thanksgiving, and he's thankful to God for it. Are we thankful to God? Do we give thanks to God often for our own faith and for the faith of our family, for the faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ? You ever thought about that? You ever thought about giving God thanks for your faith? And rightly we should, because it's a gift, isn't it? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Everything about our salvation is a gift of God, including our faith. And Paul here is thankful to God for the growing faith that's in these brothers and sisters in Christ. So may we be thankful for our faith, as well as the faith of those around us in Christ, 
thankful that God is at work in our lives and in theirs. And so it's a cause of thanksgiving. Other thing I notice about their faith is that it is apparently an evident faith, evident to all. In other words, Paul has heard about this faith. He knows about their faith. How is it that Paul can give thanks to God for a growing faith unless he knows that? He knows that. He's heard about that. He's been with the Thessalonians. He's heard reports from other co-workers who have been with the Thessalonians. And now he's apart from them, but he's writing back to them. And he says, I know about your faith. I've heard about it. It's evident that you have faith and that it's a growing faith. And so may our faith in Christ be evident to all. Do people around us know that we're Christians? Do people around us, is there there clear evidence in our lives that there's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? That it's abiding and growing. These Thessalonian believers had that evident faith and Paul knew about it and he's thanking God for it. So their faith is a cause of thanksgiving. It's evident. It's a growing faith, isn't it? It's a growing faith. I've used this illustration before, and I don't know how long it's been since I've used it here, but one of the things about the Christian life is that if you're not moving forward in the Christian life, then you're likely falling backward. Because the Christian life is never stagnant. There's, there's no park in the Christian life. It's almost as if, to use this illustration, it's almost as if you're on a hill in a car. And if you're in a hill on the car and there's no park, then you're either going forward or you're rolling backward. And so in the Christian life, we need to be moving forward. We need to be making progress in all of the, the traits of the Holy Spirit, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life. And one of those is faith. Because faith is not just a, a momentary faith when we begin the Christian life. The entire Christian life is to be characterized by faith. And the whole Christian life is to be characterized by a faith that is growing and increasing in God and in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the work of His Spirit. Now, we all need what the disciples said to Jesus one time, right? Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. We're all in that, we're all in that same condition. We all have, we're, none of us are perfect in faith. But the Lord, by His grace, as a part of the Christian life, is growing and increasing faith in us. And, and that should be our hope, our desire for our own lives as well as for others, to have a faith that is growing. The other thing I notice about their faith is that it is worthy of imitation. It is a faith that is worthy of imitation because in verse 4, he says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. In other words, where Paul goes, and in different letters that Paul writes, he tells people about the abiding and growing faith of the Thessalonian believers. Why would he do that? Because it's a faith that is worthy of imitation. And there's nothing wrong with seeing models, seeing examples of the Christian life in other believers. Paul himself said, 
follow me as I follow Christ. Now, certainly no believer in Christ, no mentor, no model, no, no example should ever take the place of setting our sights on Jesus himself. But there is something to be said for role models in the faith. And in fact, that's really the, the method of discipleship that Jesus entrusted to the church is that someone would become a disciple of Christ and would grow and increase in discipleship and then pass on what they're learning and what they're growing in to others. That's the discipleship model. And so Paul holds up these Thessalonian believers and says that they have faith, they have abiding faith, persevering faith in the midst of difficulties. It's a faith worthy of imitation. It's a model faith. And so believing my prayer for us as a church is that we would be a believing church. That we'd be people characterized by faith. A faith that, that shows the evidence of God. A faith that is growing. A faith that can really serve as a model for others in Christ. That's my prayer for our church. But Paul also goes on in this, in this prayer and he speaks of their love. Certainly love is a core element of the Christian faith, isn't it? But you're not a Christian without faith. But we could also say almost as equally, you're not a Christian without love. And John says in 1 John that if someone says they love God, but they don't have love for their brother and sister, then they're a liar. Jesus says to his disciples, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have what? If you have love for one another. And so faith is certainly at the core of the Christian faith, but so is love. And, and love, he says, I, I have heard about your love. This is a love for one another, isn't it? He specifically points to their love for one another. And so he's not necessarily pointing to their love for God, though that certainly is included, isn't it? And you really can't have a love for other people without that foundation of a love for God. And so the two great commands are really related and they build on each other. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second one is like it and I think built on it. And that is love your neighbor as yourself. And he's thanking God that they have a love for one another, other brothers and sisters in Christ, and also their love is increasing. So it's a love for one another and it's an increasing, growing love. Again, are we seeking to move forward in the Christian life? Or are we satisfied with the level of our care and concern and love for one another? We should be moving forward in that. We should be growing and looking for more opportunities to see how we can be a blessing to other people, especially in the church of Christ. It's a growing and increasing love. And we know that love, Christian love for one another, can't be just in word, right? It has to be in deed. It has to manifest itself in deeds of kindness for one another. So believing and loving, but also working. 
He is, he is thankful to God for their perseverance. And, and in verses 11 and 12, he specifically points to their efforts, to their works. Verse 11 and 12, in the prayer, wi- prayer wish of Paul, in verse 11 he says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you. Here's his prayer. That our God may make you worthy of his calling. Worthy of his calling. Now, when we stop and we think about that, there is a sense in which we can never truly be worthy of receiving the gospel. Right? I mean, the calling that he's talking about here is the gospel call. It is the effectual call of being drawn into new birth, into regenerating faith. So this is the divine calling. And he's saying, my prayer for you is that you would live a life worthy of that calling. Now, there's a sense in which we can never reach up to that worthiness. And there's a sense in which we can never pay back or earn what God has given to us. And I don't think that's what Paul is saying here by living a life worthy of the calling. It's, it's not that you have to match up to the level of perfection. It's not that you have to try to earn it back or pay it back. Uh, what he's saying here about worthy is, is seeking to live a life that is in conformity with the call of God in the gospel. In order, that, that seeks to, to live out the gospel in your life. Paul mentions the same thing in Ephesians, Ephesians 4. He says, live a life worthy of the calling of God. And I think essentially it is very close in meaning to when Peter says, be holy as God is holy. Be holy as God is holy. In other words, right now in this life, we desire to live a life that lives out the gospel, that matches with the gospel, but we know that in our current state, in this fallen world, still within these bodies of flesh, that we will never fully reach that perfect holiness. We will never fully reach that full worthiness of living to the calling. But that's what we seek to do by grace, in faith. We seek to live in conformity with the call of God in our lives. And one day, one day, we will be made worthy, won't we? One day in perfection, we will be made holy. When we are glorified and that work of God is completed in our lives. But right now we are seeking to live that life worthy of the calling. And Paul also prays in this prayer that for these Thessalonian believers, that God, by his power, may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. That is an amazing request. I love how that's phrased because basically what it assumes, it assumes several things. One, it assumes that these Thessalonian believers have incredibly good and noble desires. They have good desires that they want to accomplish for the gospel, for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Paul is assuming that they have these noble, high desires, plans, 
pursuits. He also assumes that they have deeds, not just plans and desires, but actual deeds and works that are being prompted by their growing faith. So works that arise out of faith. And we know that has to be the order, right? Because the writer of Hebrews says, without faith is impossible to please God. So our works have to flow out of faith. So he says, uh, he's assuming they have good desires. He's assuming they have a desire to actually put those desires into plan or into work, into effect. And here's his prayer for them. That God and his power would make those effective. That's a great prayer. And so you have good desires. He's assuming they don't have selfish desires. He's not praying here for God to bless whatever they want to do for themselves or for their own benefit or for their own glory. He is praying here that God's success, that his power would be upon their high and noble desires and works for the benefit of God and for the benefit of his people. So they're a working people. They're a working people. They have lofty desires. They have work and good deeds that they're doing. And Paul's prayer is that God would make those effective. That he would bring to fruition, accomplish, fulfill all of these good desires and deeds. So they're a believing people. They're a loving people. They're a working people. And finally, I just want us to think about the fact that these Thessalonian believers were a persevering people. They were a persevering people. Now, in verse number four, Paul references their perseverance. He says, as we go around uh, God's churches, we boast about not only your faith, but your perseverance. What is perseverance? The idea of perseverance is enduring, of continuing, of moving through difficult times and reaching the goal. And he says, we we boast about your perseverance and your faith. Why? Because you are going through persecutions and trials. Now, we don't know exactly what they were going through. We don't know the level of persecution. We don't know specifically the form of the persecution that they were going through. But it is clear from verses 5 through 10 that we read at the beginning that they were going through an intense trial. That there were people who were giving them trouble because they were Christians. There were people who were perhaps slandering them saying all kinds of evil things about them because they were Christians. There were people who were perhaps seeking to do hurt to them financially by taking away their means of employment or by gathering together people who would refuse to buy their products that they would make or sell in the markets by by refusing to do business with them. And so there were people that were trying to hurt them financially. Perhaps even there was an organized attempt in the city by some in power to hurt them physically. To abuse them, to punish them, to put them in prison, perhaps even to kill them for the sake of the gospel. And Paul says, I know 
what you're going through. I know what you're going through. And one of the things that comes out to me from this prayer of Paul, and and in the context of the Thessalonian believers' circumstances, is that faith, faith is tested through trial. Faith is tested through trial. And a growing faith, a genuine faith, perseveres through that trial. And that's really what is incredibly remarkable about these Thessalonian believers' faith, is that Paul is saying to them and about them, your faith is growing. It is increasing. And how is it growing and increasing? And under what circumstances is it growing and increasing? It is growing and increasing in faith in the midst of very difficult trials and persecution. And oftentimes, that is God's means of growing faith. Of putting his believers into the furnace, if you will, to refine their steel, to to take away the impurities, and to give them a fortitude that can only happen through trial. Their faith is growing, and it's persevering through trial. Uh, This growing faith produces a love for one another in the midst of trials. So remember, everything that we've said so far, their growing faith, their increasing love, their, their desires for good deeds, all of that is happening in the context of severe persecution. They're being trampled down. Property taken from them, thrown into prison. And who are they thinking about? One another. Not themselves. Growing faith continues to do good works in the face of persecution. They're being persecuted, trampled down. And what are they thinking about? How can I accomplish this good thing? How can I do this good work? Growing faith trusts God to make all things right on the last day. That's really what verses 5 through 10 are about. Verses 5 through 10 are really about Paul giving the believers in Thessalonica, giving them hope in the midst of persecution by reminding them of certain things about their God. One is that God will reward his children. He will reward his children. Verse 5 says, All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is going to reward his children with the kingdom of God. Paul reminds them of that. God is going to give comfort and relief to his children who are suffering. In verse 7, he says, And God will give you relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. Why us as well? Because Paul's been through this too. He's been through persecution as well. And God will give relief and comfort to his children. Also, Paul reminds them that God is just, 
and righteous, and he will justly dispense judgment on those who deserve it. He says in verse number 6, God is just, and he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. In verse number 8, he says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. God is just, and he will justly dispense his righteousness and his righteous judgment on those who have done wrong, on those who have mistreated God's people. And when's all this going to happen? On the last day. On the last day. He says, on the day that the Lord Jesus is revealed with blazing fire. On the last day. And so, what does that mean? It means we need to continue to persevere. Because the last day isn't here yet. So, until that last day, when Jesus will make everything right, when he will comfort his people, bless them, welcome them into the kingdom of God, justly punish those who have done wrong, until that last day, what is Paul's prayer for us? That we would persevere. That we would persevere and move forward and continue through hard times. And that perseverance includes persevering in faith, persevering in love, persevering in good works and growing in those things even in the midst of hostile times in other words Paul is saying when you're facing persecution when you're facing intense trial that is not the time to shut down and go into your shell rather that's the time to grow and move forward and so this is Paul's prayer and it is mine for us as a church today as well, that we would be the people of Christ characterized by a growing faith, characterized by increasing love, characterized by good desires and deeds, characterized by enduring perseverance in trial. These are the marks of Christ's people. And my prayer is that they would be evident in us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the work of grace that you have done in our lives. Any faith, any love, any good works, any perseverance that we have is all due to your grace. And so we give you thanks, Father. as we've just been talking about and and learning from your word. So we pray to you now that you would make us a believing people, a loving people, a working people, doing good deeds, and a persevering people, enduring to the end, the last day of Christ. Father, use us to shine forth your light in the midst of our town, in the midst of our workplaces, in our families. And Father, may you be glorified. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.